We'll uh, actually be in Galatians 6 this morning. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Galatians 6. The title of this morning's message is Bear One Another's Burdens. So we're going to just take a, a, a brief stop here in Galatians 6. And then uh, looking forward to beginning a new series together next week. Um, you know, there's an event that took place all the way back March 13th, 1964, 3 a.m. in the morning. And most of you may not be able to pull this out and remember it, right? Uh, um, but it was, it was something that really changed um, uh, a lot of the ways that we do things uh, today. Had a huge effect on society and the way we handle things. Um, it's something that has been studied uh, in psychology. It's something that has been studied by reporters and in the news. And um, Psychology Today was actually one of the uh, ones who wrote a report on this. And it was about something that happened to Kitty Genoves. Anybody know that name? Okay. You do know the outcomes that came about. She was a small 28-year-old, and uh, she was walking home, and she repeatedly screamed for her life and was brutally attacked. There were 38 neighbors, and they heard her screams, and not one even bothered to call the police. Uh, there was a psychopath. Uh, he... he over the course of a half hour, murdered her. And in spite of her screams, 38 neighbors who heard those screams didn't even pick up the phone to call the police. Um, the, the neighbors in action was just so crazy that the New York Times editor, uh, A.M. Rosenthal, uh, wrote a classic book called 38 Witnesses. And it, it took her tragedy from just an unreported incident to a front page headline around the world. And it, it had incredible impacts even, even today, um, over a half century later. Um, they apprehended the killer. Uh, he was caught, the chief of detectives, his name was uh, Seedman, and he asked him, how dare you attack a woman like this when there were witnesses all around? Why, why were you so bold? And the killer just calmly replied, "Well." I, I knew they wouldn't do anything. People never do. Right, that, that was his response. So, um, of course, that night, Miss Genefes certainly felt alone. And, um, but the response to that event, after it caught the news in the headlines, it's just hard to really overestimate the impact it's had. Um, things like the national 911 phone number came about as a result uh, so that folks could just dial a number right away. They didn't have to go look up what's the police station number anymore. Um, things like victim services, uh, things like rape prevention societies and groups, community groups and help groups formed, um, legal aid and uh, even legislation for duty to aid, um, responsibility to help somebody in a need. There was legislation Anti-stalking programs uh, began as a result, and um, certainly a lot of research into the behavioral aspects of what went on. 
Um, 38 witnesses, and, and because of that, that book and, and then the popularity and ensuing news as a result, um, this tragedy became part of really our culture and shaping the society today uh, as a result of this, this horrible event. Um, 38 witnesses became a common calling card and a name in uh, certain circles. Um, names like uh, Kitty Genovese syndrome became a actual psychological study uh, that people would do. Um, and um, anybody that uh, reads a psychology textbook today, you're going to hear about the bystander effect. And that's where this was really came from and, and studied. And, and so that, that was the horrible tragedy that brought about so many of these good things uh, to help society today. So we're going to look at uh, Galatians 6. And uh, the title of this morning's message is simple, Bear One Another's Burdens. Galatians 6, uh, beginning of verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this morning to look into your word. Father, help us to take truth and, and understand our responsibility, uh, both uh, in regard to what you've given to us and our responsibility to others. And, and we pray, Lord, that as a result of this, we would just be better servants. Help us to take truth, apply it to life, live it out, and, and that you'd be glorified as a result. Father, we, we know that in this world we will face uh, different circumstances on a daily basis. And uh, sometimes it's not what we're used to. We ask that you grant us wisdom to know how to respond uh, to every circumstance that we face. And we, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Had a weird circumstance this morning. We had a dog struck by a car right in front of the church this morning. Um, and uh, the, the one who struck them kept on going and house down the road and uh, the, the ones behind stopped and they were trying to find an emergency vet and then the owner came up and, you know, it was kind of an emotional scene and he grabbed the dog and took him off to the, the vet or whatever and so uh, hopefully the, the dog will be okay. But, uh, you know, you, you never know. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting my morning to be, you know, to, to have that and we, we all face different things. So one of the things that we want to do with Scripture is we, we want to take truth and then prepare ourselves, go ahead and ingrain it in our hearts and our lives, so that when we face different circumstances, we already have a, a base, a foundation in which to go through these life events. You know, the, uh, the account I read earlier it almost seems impossible today. You, you know, uh, that, that idea of, of, of someone being, being killed over a course of 30 minutes and screaming for their lives and nobody doing anything. That almost seems impossible today. And, um, it, you, know, if, 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 you know, if I were to ask you the question, well, what, what would you have done if you heard those screams that evening? What would your response have been? And we, we all like to, to say, you know, what our answer is, right? And yet over and over again, we see sim similar circumstances like this where something terrible happens and no one acts. Or, or someone sees a crime about to be committed and, and no one does anything. Or 
you know, maybe someone is acting suspiciously. You think back to kind of 9-11 time frame and, and, and different bombings and things that have happened in the U.S. And, and how many instances someone could have acted or, or school shootings, someone could have said something in advance and, and it may have had an effect in stopping a tragic event from occurring. And yet those, still, those things still happen today. Um, you know, that, that response that the psychopath gave, you know, I knew they wouldn't do anything. People never do. Uh, he, he had an insight in the human condition, right? He had picked that up, and he believed he could get away with it, um, at least for that season. And perhaps, it, if it weren't for all the news coverage, he may have, right? He, he may have. Um, and we declare, you know, not me. Um, but, but if we're honest, you know, maybe it's not something that big, but there, there are plenty of times when helping somebody just becomes a little bit too inconvenient, right? When, when taking that extra step for someone else is not convenient. I have somewhere to be, right? Or, or uh, um, you, you know, we, we have various excuses. It's just too much time. It would be too much energy to do that. Um, you know, when, when uh, someone drops something, right, and, and maybe they're elderly, Oh, well, they're just too far away, right? You know, they're, 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 they're further away. And, and we, just, we just keep going. I say, well, well, they're strangers, right? Well, I didn't know them. Well, that's perhaps the uh, excuse that, that they used for Kitty uh, Genovese. I, I didn't know her either. Um, but it, it, it may be sufficient to soothe our conscience. But, um, but you know, imagine, imagine that, that world if, uh, if everybody just used this excuse of strangers to, to not help another. This morning's message is titled just very simply, Bear One Another's Burdens. And um, Galatians 6, uh, verse 1, as, as we uh, read before, um, uh, just, just points out very simply that if someone is overtaken a fault, we have a responsibility to restore someone. So um, Here's the description. When our, when our brothers are overtaken by a burden of sin, we must bear one another's burdens and restore them biblically. Verse 1 deals specifically with, um, with brothers, brethren here. And uh, let's, let's talk about what that means. Brethren here, the idea is just believers, right? That's, this is specifically dealing with believers. And, and it talks about the, a believer's responsibilities toward another believer. Okay, so we have certain responsibilities that are unique to our relationship with other believers. And, and so uh, you see the term there, brethren, if a man be overtaken a fault, if a man there is not talking about just, just any man, this is, this is language of just any fellow believer, right? So that's a generic term for what we'd say mankind. And so, the, the believer, so believers have responsibility to other believers, and uh, specifically, we can put it this way, if our brothers are overtaken by a burden of sin, we must bear one another's burdens and restore them. So, first aspect of this is that there is a need for restoration. Right? We're in a situation here where there is a need for restoration. Um, the, the word sin here actually has to, is, is used, the, the root for this word has to do with falling behind or making a false step. Um, so, rather than having a sure step, you make a false step. Uh, you step into to sin or step into a place that you shouldn't have. It is a contrast to the verse uh, directly before this, going back to Galatians 5.25, right? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, walk there, that, that term is, is to 
uh, walk in a straight line or keep in step. So we, we go from, from, uh, from, from walking in a straight line, walking in the Spirit, doing the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do, to getting out of step, making a false step that's outside of that, of that realm uh, as we get back here. So, uh, so let's look at a couple examples in Scripture um, where we see this type of thing uh, described. James 5, beginning verse 19, says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Okay, if somebody is going in the wrong way, uh, there is a responsibility here to, to help the one who's erring in truth to come back, to be restored. Uh, and, and in this case, we're talking about somebody who's, whose error has to do with the gospel itself. All right, so coming along somebody and, and helping them understand the truth of what the gospel states. Another example here, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11 says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. And uh, we, could, we could describe that as aim for restoration. That's the idea there. Be of good comfort. Comfort one another. Be of one mind. That means agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. So the responsibility for a believer... Uh, toward others here has to do with the, the fact that if, the, if someone is in sin, we need to help restore them. Right, we, we have a responsibility to those around us to help and aid in their restoration. Um, what, what does that mean? That, that means we take sin seriously. We see so much sin, right? Sin is all around us. We see sin all around us in the world today. Um, it becomes easy to just kind of become immune to everything that we see around us, right? It, it becomes easy to just kind of look the other way and become immune to, to what's going on. And, and what, what this is saying is, look, we need to look at sin for what it is. Um, sin leads to destruction and hell and death. It resulted in the fall of all mankind. It resulted in the separation between man and God. Uh, we, we ought to hate this stuff. Right? We, we ought to look out and say, I, I just can't stand it. And, and we should never get to the place where we just say, oh, look, there's so much, I guess it's okay. Right? That, that, that should never be our response. And part of bearing one another's burdens means we look out and we see this type of thing and what's going on, and, and, and we give a declaration and say just very simply, you know, look, this, this, is, this is terrible. And, and I don't want them to keep going that way. And I'm going to use my voice and encourage them to, to actually um, come back to Christ. If you, if you look there in, in Galatians 6.1, in that, that first verse there, right? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, uh, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That's that second part there, ye which are spiritual. So that, that's who the initiator of restoration is. Right? Who, who is it that helps the one caught in sin? Those who are spiritually minded do that. Right? Those who live lives that give evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Those who are walking in the Spirit. Those who are intentionally seeking not to take that false step. That doesn't mean that they're sinless. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that when they sin, they deal with it. Right? And they're seeking to, to avoid it. 
those who are spiritually minded have a special responsibility to take an, an initiative in terms of restoration and reconciliation with those who are taking that misstep, those who are in the midst of that error. Um, what, what's the response we don't want here? Ah, well, they'll figure it out one day. <laughs> right? Boy, I bet they're going to have some consequences from that decision down the road. Biblically, what are we supposed to do? If we're spiritual, if we're in a position to, to go to others, we initiate it for the sake of restoration, not for I'm better than you, oh, you're so terrible, none of that, right? The, the goal here is restoration. Hey, you're making decisions going down a path, and I don't think you're going to like the outcome. And there's a better way. Would you let me show you from Scripture what Jesus has done for you? That's humility, right? That's not, I'm better than you. That's, hey, let, let's look at this together. That's coming alongside. And, and so that's what Scripture has called us to. The, the manner of restoration is described for us uh, as we look at the verse, right? Brethren, if a man be overtaken a fault, you which are spiritual, what are we supposed to do? Restore such a one, how? In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We should be gentle in our restoration. We went through that fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, not long ago. Um, it is one that cannot coexist with being harsh or angry. And along with it, the one who is restoring the other recognizes, hey, I'm flesh and blood too. I'm a sinner as well. I don't want to go down the path that they are, and I have to guard and protect myself because I could, go, I could easily be right there beside them and going that way. Vigilance and self-examinations are requirements if you're going to come along someone else to help restore them. And the reason being very simple, uh, we, we don't want to fall on the same path. We, we can't help each other if we're both st stumbling in the same way. Um, it is, it is a, a sign of the spiritual stupor. This is a, this is a quote here. Um, that has befallen the body of Christ, that church discipline is seldom, if ever, raised as a viable concern in evangelical churches today. Historically, the practice of discipline served a twofold function in the free church tradition. It aimed at restoring the lapsed brother or sister to full fellowship if possible. It marked off clearly the boundaries between the church and its environing culture. In both of these ways, discipline helped preserve the purity of the church's witness in the world. The loss of this historic distinctive has resulted in the crisis of spirituality, that pervades so much of our church life today. And guess what? That was written a long time ago. Here's the idea. Churches are all too comfortable just saying, ah, do your best, it's okay, hang in there, keep going, versus coming alongside and, and seriously saying, look, here's what Scripture says, and, and we need to deal with this. And if you're a believer, you can't continue down this path. Uh, this, this habitual, open, public sin that, that is prevalent, that everybody is seeing, is, is tearing down the name of Christ. And, and let's look at what Scripture says. Won't you repent and forsake it? Why, why, do churches, why have churches historically done that? Because they're mean? <laughs> no. Because they love people. Because they want to help them. Because they want to point them to Christ. This is so essential. You know, you, you, think about, you think about which is harder. This was one of those things that, to me, absolutely shocked me. I grew up in a denominational church, and, um, and the, 
you know, growing up, if somebody was in sin, you, you just, ah, hang in there, do the best you can, right? You know, maybe you'll overcome it eventually. <laughs> you know, that was kind of the thing. Pray about it. Um, but no one seriously sat down and, and, and just said, you know, this is what Scripture says, and you understand this is an offense against God, and, and, and you really need to take this seriously. You can't just keep on going this way. And I'm not talking about people who sincerely wanted to change. I'm talking about folks who just said, well, this is just how I am, and it's okay, right? And, and it absolutely shocked me when I came to a church, and, and I saw, okay, someone committed a sin that was public. And someone came alongside them, and they pointed out biblically where they were wrong. And they said, that's not the way we love Christ. We, we, we need to... We, we need to please him with our lives. And, and do you recognize it's wrong? I'll tell you what, that's not an easy thing to do. You, you know what they were doing there? They were showing love to that person and seeking to restore them so that their life didn't head to disaster. And I've seen the results on both ends, right? I've seen people respond to that and say, you are right and I am in sin and, and I, I'm going to confess this before God and forsake it, and I don't want to go that way anymore. And, and they do that, and they start serving the Lord, and they're restored. Praise the Lord, right? And I've seen other people make a different decision. And they say, well, I don't care. I'm still going that way. And I've watched them destroy their lives and their families. What do you think is more loving? Helping that one to be restored to Christ, or just say, hey, yeah, keep going your own way? I can tell you which one's easier, right? What do they call it, 31 strangers? Just sit there and look the other way. Pull down that window shade. Right. Ah, well, that's between them and the Lord. It's not what Scripture would have us to do. One commentator said, if we walked by the Spirit, we'd love one another more. If we loved one another more, we would bear one another's burdens. If we bore one another's burdens, we would not shrink from seeking to restore a brother who has fallen into sin. Further, if we obeyed this apostolic instruction as we should, much unkind gossip would be avoided. More serious backsliding prevented. The good of the church advanced in the name of Christ glorified. It's amazing how many times gossip spreads because folks want to talk about somebody who committed some sin when they're failing in their responsibility to love that brother and restore them. If you're the one helping to restore them, guess what? You, sh you shut your mouth, right? You don't gossip. You're helping them along the way. You know, gossips, not only are they spreading these things about other people, they're also not loving the other person, failing their responsibility. All right, so we've got to bear one another's burden. Secondly, when our, when our brothers are carrying a heavy burden, we must bear one another's burdens to assist in the task. Now, um, we're talking about a different type of burden here. This is just the burdens of life. Right, that type of thing. And we have a, a specific, specific word used here. So let's look at these verses. Galatians 6, 2 through 3. Bear you one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Now when uh, I did campus ministry, we put this verse on the back of our move-in day shirts, right, as we'd help the, the students carry their couches up 15 flights of stairs in Clemson University. Um, you know, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, and w what is that? Well, that's a, that is a, um, a heavy uh, thing. You've got to carry a couch up 15 floors, 
right? Nobody can wait for the elevator that long when you got all those students moving at the same time. Um, so here's the question. What is this burden? What requires assistance? The used, word used here has to do with a heavy burden. Um, it, it is, we would say, more than what one person should carry. Okay, so the, the idea is um, you think about the big boxes and they had the little two men lifting the box on the side, the icon there, right? This is, this is a two-man lifting job or maybe a three-man lifting job. You know, that's the, that's the idea here. You shouldn't pick it up by yourself. Um, and so th this is a, a heavy burden. It's, it's one that, that as we look and we say, well, they shouldn't carry that alone. All right, so let's put this in the context of church ministry then. Um, what is a church's responsibility with a request for assistance? Now, uh, one of the challenges that a church faces today is that we get calls for assistance all the time. Right? We, we get calls for assistance I mean, every week, usually there is at least one call. Um, if we answered every call for assistance, uh, we wouldn't have lights on today, right? I, I would just be honest. We, we would not be able to turn the lights on. We wouldn't be able to pay the bills if we answered every, every call for assistance. Um, so so the, the question comes up, what, what do we do in that area? Well, there's certain things that we do. We, we support an organization like Union Mission in Nor Norfolk. Right, who is designed and equipped for the purpose of 24-7 providing assistance uh, to those in need. Um, there are certain cases where individuals will come and they'll spend time here and uh, they'll come to a service and they'll spend time uh, working through things biblically and um, we may assist them. We have responsibility to, uh, for assistance for other members here. You know, folks who are members of the church who, who have a, a financial need Folks who we know, and we know their situation, and we know it well. We have responsibility to each other in that. And so in that context, what, what do we do? Um, we bear one another's burdens in that way. And um, the, so what requires assistance? A burden that is too great for someone to carry. Um, you see these things sometimes on like a GoFundMe page, right, for someone who has a major health crisis, and others will surround them and help them during that time. Um, certainly not a bad thing to do there, right? A good thing. Why, why should I offer that assistance? Well, the verse up here, verse 2, says we fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, these are principles that stem from the very heart of the gospel itself. This is, this is the heart of God, the gospel. It is the heart of Jesus' teachings. And um, one of the things that Jesus did was he, he was concerned about other people. It wasn't long ago that we, um, we looked together and, and re recalled the account of, um, of, of Jesus as, um, in Mark as he really went to uh, Jairus' daughter. Remember Jairus? And he went to, went to the house, and uh, she was dead. She had died, right? J Jairus went to get Jesus because she was sick. But he heard the news. She had died. Jesus said, well, send me there anyway. I'm going anyway. She's not really dead. She's sleeping. He raises her from the dead. And, and he, he says, someone go and get her something to eat. Right. He was concerned about her physical need during that time. Um, that was essential to him. And, and that should be important to us as well. Um, these, these principles and, and the reality of Christ's concern for other people uh, should be are really directed and enabled by the Holy Spirit himself and uh, always should be motivated out of a condition of love. Um, 
you know, this, is, this isn't some sort of new law system here, the law of Christ, where we have 100, 100 rules or something like that, do's and don'ts that we have to follow. But this is about just a principle of, of helping others and a desire and having a heart for others. And so we, we should have that heart in terms of bearing burdens of those around us. Um, it, it, is, it is not, um, obviously, a new set of rules. Now, um, one commentary puts it this way, Paul's not setting forth Jesus as a new Moses, nor does he view Jesus' teaching as ethical prescriptions to be carried out in a rabbinic fashion. In fact, he is actually countering believers' convert, uh, converts, uh, their, their tendencies toward um, just, just freely uh, going out in such a way that, that they waste all their money, spend all their money, and then expect the church to help, so to speak. Right? In other words, he's saying you need to fulfill the law of Christ in, on both sides, how both you do things and how others treat you, right? So uh, the way in which it works. So there's mutual concern among believers to, to bear one another's oppressive burdens more than one can handle. Um, there are, this is actually the opposite of, of a desire to live solely for oneself. And so the, the whole intent has to do with what the church is supposed to be about. So, so what does this mean? That means we, we help one another, but helping one another is not a license for, for any of us to abuse the privilege. All right, I, I can't go out today and say I need a new car and I go out and buy a, a $40,000 vehicle, uh, especially while I've got three sitting outside. <laughs> and say, boy, I'm $40,000 short this much. Could you help me? Right? That would be inappropriate. And so we, we, it's, a, it's a burden bearing on both sides. At the same time, someone gets sick and they're in the hospital and, and they have to have medical treatment to survive and they come home with a $10,000 hospital bill. Well, if you're on a fixed income, that may be more than what you can handle. Right? That, that may be more than what you can take on. We bear one another's burdens there. All right, so God doesn't want your life to be first and foremost about you. All right, he, he wants your life to be first and foremost about him. And then he wants your life to be about loving other people. And when you do that, he's still going to take care of you. And you'll be okay. Um, Freedom in Christ doesn't mean we get to wake up each morning and just do whatever we want. Uh, we don't get to be our own God. He's never given us that authority. He's never given us that right. Freedom in Christ means that we are free to live a life that's pleasing to Him. And that's the freedom that He gives us. Right? Our life shouldn't be about ourselves. It belongs to God. And God desires our love. And the primary ways we do that are by loving Him and loving others. So why me? Then, verse 3, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Why does it have to be me? Why do I have to do this? Couldn't somebody else do this? Right? Um, many people think this was like a common maxim of the day, um, that, that people reminded each other. And, and the, the point is that conceit or thinking that I'm, I'm something when really we're, we're nothing... <laughs> means that, that somehow we would be unwilling to bear one another's burdens. In other words, I don't have to do that. I'm special, right? 
And, and this is where, where this thinking creeps into, I, I would say, even the church today. Um, we, hear, we hear language like, um, well, I did that for so many years, I don't have to do that now. Right? We, we hear that type of language in the church today. Um, well, I, I did my time, I don't have to do that anymore. Right? As though somehow service means that, okay, we can stop at some point. I only have to bear so many burdens for, for so many years. This is, this is a common thing with seniors. I'm picking on the seniors now a little bit. Okay, I love you, but I'm still going to pick on you a little bit, right? I did my time before, and so now I'm somehow exempt from this. Right? Now, that, there are some things you should be exempt from, right? You shouldn't have to go out and lift the bags of concrete, right? You, you shouldn't have to do that, right? That's appropriate. But, but you know, areas of service uh, that you're still physically capable of doing, um, that you don't get exempted from that. It's not like I serve the Lord till I'm 65, and then I'm retirement at church. <laughs> that's not how this works. That, that, that's not how it works. Um, now, so uh, with that, right, what, what's one of the things that happens with seniors sometimes as, as we get older and, and get up in, in years and um, we start laying aside some of those responsibilities and maybe there are a few less things that we do. Uh, what happened, the mind starts running. We start thinking about things. And so we're sitting down and we see the problems and something's not being done exactly right. And so what happened? We, we complain, right? We complain. And, and that's sometimes what, what, what creeps in. So I, I always put it this way at, at Grace. The, um, the complaint form and the volunteer form are the same sheet of paper, Right, so if, if you want to complain, that's fine. It just means that you're volunteering for the position. Um, so, so be aware of that, right? That's, that's just a, a, um, a, a reality. We, we need to guard our hearts here. Now, now here's the other side of things. Let's, let's, affect, let's, let's deal with the younger crowd now. The, the younger crowd are often very ambitious about what we need to do, right? And, and they will give you a list of things that we need to do. And all of that is great until you say, Okay, so you're going to serve here? And it's, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's, that's the other side, right? That, the other side is it's filled with ideas, um, but, but not necessarily when, when I have to commit to it, right? And, and so that's, you know, that's, that's one of these things. We, we, when we're talking about bearing one another's burdens, right, the, these are burdens that aren't mine, right? I, I, you know, you, you, you may be teaching a, um, a, a kindergarten through fifth grade Sunday school class, for example, and you don't have a kindergartner through fifth grader, right? You, you say, that's not my burden. I didn't even add anybody to the class, right? Well, what are we doing? We're bearing one another's burdens when we do that, right? That, that's what we're doing. We're bearing one another's burdens. And, and God, there are certain burdens that God doesn't intend for us to carry by ourselves in isolation. Um, I cannot pastor Grace Baptist Church if all the burdens were mine, right? You all come in and you bear different burdens. Uh, it, it wouldn't work uh, without that. Uh, that burden is too great for a pastor, and God didn't intend it all to be a pastor's, right? That, that it, it spreads out. Um, the, the same is true in, in certain things that, that we deal with, uh, maybe in the workplace, right? You get assigned a project, and you, you have a team lead, and you have a team who's involved in it. And why? The burden is too much to give to one person. And so you have a group working on it. The, the same thing is, is true in, in various areas. And it, it's just a basic principle that we help one another out. Um, and, and so that's what's going on here. The, the, the reminder, though, is that none of us think that somehow we're special 
to where we don't have to do this. That, that, that's the biblical principle. For if a man think himself to be something, when he's nothing, he's deceived himself. You say, look, you're lying to yourself, right? If you think that, okay, well, I, I don't have to deal with that. That's not my burden. See, look, what, you, what makes you so special? Right? What makes you so, think you're different than anybody else is, is the, the description here. Uh, there's nothing at all. You're lying to yourself. You ought to be doing it. And, and so that's the, that's the principle there, right? And that's a strong statement. That's a strong reminder um, so, so the fact is, if, if we are bearing one another's burdens, we're fulfilling the law of Christ, we have a duty to one another, and, um, and, and that, that, that duty there is, is um, commanded, bear you one another's burdens, that's not suggestion, that's command, and uh, it's not an option. And so there are, there are plenty of places where we have to, to step in and carry these things out for the sake of other people. You know, a portion of our church covenant says we further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy and feeling and courtesy of speech, to be slow to take offense but always ready for reconciliation, and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. What is that? That's a promise to each other that, that we make, that we're going to bear one another's burdens. So thirdly then, uh, last verses here, we bear, our bro- when our brothers are carrying a heavy load, we must not add to it, but should complete our daily responsibilities. Verse 4 and 5, I put it this way, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. All right, so principle here, and let's look back at, um, let's uh, consider these verses uh, the, the question has to be here, um, what is being described? So our, our brothers have a heavy load. Different people are carrying burdens, and we all have different burdens that we're carrying. The principle here is everyone proves their own work, and then they'll have rejoicing himself alone. Uh, this, this work here, this description, is not the same as what we looked at before. Before it was a heavy load that's too much for one person to bear. That was the team lift work, right? You, you need two people. This here is, is a different word of, of work, uh, this, this burden here, and it has the idea of, of maybe what you'd call a daily pack, right? This, this is the kid's backpack going to school, right? You, 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 it's, it's normal for, for you to carry it on your way to school. It's yours to carry. It's your burden to carry. It's what's expected of you. So... As part of this, let every man prove his own work, let everyone test or, or check it out, evaluate the standard, uh, make sure that it is measured accurately, and uh, so we think about the law of Christ, am I, am I doing what I'm, I'm called to do, um, and, and as part of that, we, we look at that work, and then she shall revo- have rejoicing in himself alone. What's this? This is pride in your work, right? You do a job, you have pride in your work. This is not talking about um, boasting or spiritual pride, I am so great. This is just the sense of accomplishment of doing a good job when something's done. Nothing biblically unwrong with that, right? So the, the idea here is we do what we're supposed to do, and then we're pleasing that. Um, and, and so this is an acceptable response to that. That word right there uh, of, of the work that's being done, this burden, is, is what a, an individual should carry. Um, it is different from the other word, and so everybody has to do their own work, 
and take pride in how they do it. Why? For the, the sake of others. And so that, that means uh, we, we can describe it this way, the two different loads. Uh, John Stott put it this way. So we are to bear one another's burdens, which are too heavy for a man to bear alone. But there is one burden which we cannot share. Um, in, indeed, uh, do not need. It's a pack light enough for everybody to carry, carry ourselves. And that's the responsibility that God gives us individually. Right? The responsibility God has given to me. It's the responsibility I will be responsible for, for God at uh, the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, it's a pack. Uh, uh, it, it is such that you cannot carry my pack and I cannot carry yours. In other words, God, when God gives me individually certain responsibilities and gives you certain responsibilities, he expects you to carry those out before him. And we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, giving account for our labors before Jesus uh, in that regard. Um, so, so this is what we're daily we're supposed to do. So uh, here's what happens. If, if the responsibility that God has given me to take care of individually, if I start saying, well, I don't want to do all of this, you need to pick it up, right? Well, then I, I'm not fulfilling the law of Christ because I am not loving my brother because now not only does he have his burden that God has given him, the responsibility is there, he also has part of mine as well. So here's the, here's the principle, right? We have individuals carrying their own weight, and God has given us responsibilities. We have certain tasks that as believers we're called to that are beyond our abilities, and God has given other believers to come in and help one another with that. And, and through it all, we carry out these things um, in the midst of it, for the sake of fulfilling the law of Christ, what he's called us to. Um, so as we, we think about this, we've we got to give an account one day for the judgment seat of Christ in terms of what we've done with what he's given to us. And we know that scripturally, we know that biblically. The, the question is, what, what am I doing? Here, here's the thing, if God has helped you in certain ways, right? He has gifted you in certain ways. He has trained you in certain ways. And, and we sit on the side and, and we, don't, we, we don't do what God's called us to do. We're not fulfilling the law, the law of Christ. We're not acting Christ-like in our actions. And, and so when, when we do those things, when we fulfill those things, then we are fulfilling the law of Christ. So every man prove his own work. Test your work. Right? It, if... if if, um, if I were to stand before you with an MDiv and say, um, well, you know, I think I'm just going to quit and forget all this training that God gave me, right, and brought me through, and, and I'm going to go out and, you know, paint houses all day. I could do that, right? But I'm going to have to answer for that, right? I, I have a responsibility to answer for that. Why? That, that's, that's the law of Christ, that's, that's, what God has, that's what God wants me to test against. And if I'm not willing to, to look around and see that there's a need and say, okay, I'm going to give my life for this, um, then, then I, you know, hey, I'm going to have to answer one day for that. And, and so here's what we're talking about here. We all take care of the responsibilities God's given us. We look out and we see the load around us, and guess what? We help others with their burdens as well. And, and as we go through it, we keep all of it focused on the need of the gospel, right? And if, if there are folks who don't know Jesus, we don't just let them go their own way, 
and say, oh, I'm not concerned about that either. We seek to restore them and point them to the truth of the gospel. When we see believers who are going their own way, who have stepped into sin, right, who have made a misstep, we seek to restore them. Why? For the sake of their good, for the love of Jesus Christ. And what is this? This is the law of Christ, is how Paul puts it. How much more fundamental can you get? How much more basic can you get than really what Jesus is all about? Uh, this is essential. That I just think this is a great checkup for us to encourage you to uh, go through that spiritual checklist today in your own mind. How are you using what God has given to you today? Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you call us to an account the things that you've given to us. Father, we live in a world today that uh, selfishness abounds. Not just among unbelievers, but believers as well. Father, help us to examine ourselves to see where we're selfish. Help us to forsake our sin. Will you put your finger on it today? Father, help us to take steps where we take to account what you have given us. Both the burden individually and then our responsibility to others. Father, don't allow us to be people who say, Ah, well, that's not my burden. I'm turning my back on that. Help us to give our lives service to you and service to others so that the love of God is on display. Father, help us to take care of our own responsibilities as well, taking pride in the work that you've given us for your glory. Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. I want to give you a chance to respond today. If um, God has put his finger on something in your life, I'm not going to call you out, but I want to pray for you. Uh, if you'd say, uh, there is a particular area God has showed me in my life where I need to change. And, and I'm going to seek to, by His grace, with His help, take steps to do it. Um, this morning, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. He would help you. Amen. Amen. One more question. You'd say, I need to be saved. I've been going my own way, and I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. And I see today that sin leads to destruction, and I need forgiveness. Um, if that's you and you've come to that realization today for the first time, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. I won't call you out. I like that. Heavenly Father, Pray for those who are making decisions today. But I pray especially for, for those who have decided that there's a certain area where they've been holding back and change needs to happen. Help them, Lord. Empower them. Encourage them. Give them the grace to take these steps. Father, we do pray that for all of us that we would be better servants. Father, help us not to go through Christian life alone but know that the most visible measurement of our love for you is on display through our love for others. So, Father, help us to be willing to lay aside uh, our wants and desires and instead to, to pour our lives into what you've called us to. Father, we're just so grateful 
that you are God who desires a relationship with us, who cares how we live. Father, that you have provided what we need to know to live in a way that brings you glory. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.